everybody. Welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast where we take popular properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Tanner. Lindsay, how have you been this week? Pretty good. Got midterms over. I got one more assignment to do and then exams. Yay. Yay. I've been driving myself into an existential crisis trying to get a shiny Venonat in Let's Go Eevee. Really? I want to see my little boy. (laughs) I want to see my little boy. Uh, I still need to get a Switch. I'm poor right now. Uh, Listeners, send Lindsay your money so she can buy herself a Switch. Or, you know, I could just yell at Dad, Hey, this is what I want for Christmas! Daddy, get me a Switch or I won't love you anymore! (laughs) You know, some kids ask for cars or phones. We want Pokemon. Yeah. We're adults. We're 26 years old. We're almost 30. Yeah. uh, uh, (laughs) 30 isn't that bad. 30, flirty, and fabulous. I'd be more worried when we hit, like, 40. Yeah. Isn't that when we decided that we're gonna let just, like, have a kid together? If we don't already have significant others and children, or plan yeah. on having children. No, that that wasn't part of the deal. We're both gonna have full <laughs> families. And they're gonna be like, oh, sorry, sorry, dear, I love you, but me and Lindsay, we signed a pact. We wrote it in blood that we were gonna make a child together. <laughs> And it's going to be the most awkward, pedantic, eccentric baby that there's ever been. <laughs> oh, PTA meetings are going to be so much fun. Yeah. So the poor teacher's going to be like, okay, so who are the parents? We are. All of us. <laughs> and Crazy Uncle Ryan is here too, for whatever reason. Yeah. It's, it's a veritable clown car of parental figures. <laughs> Anyway, um, going from a crazy parental situation where a child could potentially have about four parents. Minimum. (laughs) Minimum. Um, let's talk about- five, because Ty will show up too. Oh yeah, yeah, he's also, um, photography dad, Ty. Yeah. My family's gonna be like, Tanner, why didn't you name any of your relatives the godfather of your child? I was like, I'm sorry, but Ty has first dibs. <laughs> yes. He's daddy, and it's just the law now. <laughs> yep. He is both dad and granddad, and there is a camera all, all over the place. Yep. Just. Do we know if Ty listens to this? I don't know. Ryan might know. I don't even know if Ryan is all cut up. I think Duncan is the most caught up of all our friends. <laughs> But Duncan is just like that. He is on top of everything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one episode of Super Fun Podcast where you're like, he's so punctual and I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I burst the door. It's like, oh, I mean, Duncan. Oh, he walked here. Fucker. <laughs> so anyway, as I was saying, going from a situation of too many parental figures to where the fuck are the parental figures? <laughs> oh wait these characters are in university so the parental figures are kind of like um we don't know what to do with you anymore you're adults now 
Just throw them out into the wilderness like you do in the 1800s. <laughs> even though this is a modern day AU. Survive, children. Survive. <laughs> oh, um, th that reminds me. I have to... Because, uh, listeners, today we're going into the public domain. And because this is something that me and Lindsay have legitimately talked about creating in the real world for real, really. Like, we're thinking about books. Initially, but this could be a TV show. Well, it could be books. It could be a TV show. could be could audio be drama. Could be all three. Exactly. Um... But so I just need to point out that this episode of Not If I Reboot You First is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org. That was a mouthful. Yes, it was. I hope it's... Sometimes I mumble and stumble through my words. I'm in the middle of editing Animorphs right now, and I did totally say PBSD instead of PTSD. Yeah, it's and, okay. You're not as bad as mumbling at mumbling as you know Eddie Redmayne. Fair, but still, I don't want people to think I'm talking about public broadcasting service disorder. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, shout out to the podcast Hard Reboot, which might be our number one competitor at the moment. Even though podcasts don't compete, it's the Wild West out here. But I basically yeah. just took their Creative Commons um, security thing and applied it to this episode so that we're protected in case we actually do make this. It means that yeah. if someone turns around and decides to make their own version of what we're making today, then they have to credit us as the creators. At the very least. Because today we are talking about a modern-day adaptation, as in we're going to be setting this in the modern day, of Sherlock Holmes... Yes, we've said it in New York, and Watson is a woman. <laughs> we went one step further! We said it in Regina, Saskatchewan, and all the genders are switched! Almost Yay! all the genders, except Almost a, all the genders. A few ladies are still ladies, as far as I remember. A couple dudes are still dudes. Not many. Not many, yeah. Also, it's been a good, like, three years since we last talked about this, other than saying... Hey, remember when we said we might make this? Yeah. So, who so, knows? Maybe people are even less cis than previously assumed. Yep. So, anyway, Tanner, let's go back to those halcyon days at the U of R when we used to, you know, sit around in Luther College, even though we were supposed to be at Anime Club, but really, nobody really cares if, if you stick around to watch the entire anime. I think, well, yeah, those were the heydays of the hallway parties. Yeah. Oh, I remember it now. Everything was sepia-toned. We would play <laughs> Magic the Gathering for the whole time. George would angrily talk to her brother. <laughs> We'd play games of Ninja. <laughs> I think that I haven't been to Anime Club all semester, but from what I hear, people actually watch the animes now. Oh, wow, that's good. Um, but yeah, and I, re I remember correctly, if I remember correctly, I think we did most of the discussions of this, um, in your driveway, actually, after I drive you home, but before you got out of the car, and we just sit there from, like, 11 to 3 <laughs> in the morning? Yeah, I, if I remember correctly now, the idea started at Luther College in one of those, like, little sitting areas that just randomly appear in a university. Kids, if you're still in high school, 
when you get to university or college, there's just random seating areas. There's sofas everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Couches. Um, <laughs> benches. You'll never be lost for a potential spot to sit and do homework. Man, playing Pokemon X and Y in university was great because I could sit down in the game and in real life. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, the idea started in the little sitting area over by the stairwell, and then it moved into the into your car, or was it Ryan's car? No, it was my car. Okay. Because there's no way that at that point I was driving <laughs> regularly, and also there's no way that Ryan would like drive us and leave us at your place and just go inside and expect me to walk home. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, so yeah, it was in your car, in my driveway. I think In it was my the car, the radio up. Yeah. <laughs> Where we're having the most intense conversations about fandom. Yep. And ideas. <laughs> in the middle of the night. Till about, I think the one night we went till about two. Yeah, we went very late slash early. I'm surprised that we never saw a porcupine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally missed the porcupine spotting. That, that was, was after one. you moved away. Yeah. <laughs> so one night, me and Ryan were driving home from Anime Club, and I go to drop him off at his place, and we pull up, and we see something in front of his door, and we're like, what is that? And we look closer, and it starts moving, like, Oh, that's a porcupine. That's just a full-on porcupine, a live porcupine, just chilling around, walking around, taking some nibbles out of the potted plants that are sitting there. Starts going down the stairs and walks back up the stairs. We're like, no, go, go home. You're Sonic, lost. go home. <laughs> yeah. Well, given the whole um, situation with like less people living in rural areas now, it's like. The animals have started actually coming into town, like... We're not even that rural, though, anymore. Yeah. But even then, like, you guys in Regina, you'll get, like, moose and coyotes out in Ottawa for whatever reason. We got a bear in downtown, like, over at the Byward Market, which is, like, <laughs> one of the big tourist areas of Ottawa. <laughs> It's like, you go to Parliament, you take a tour around there, and then you go down to the Byward Market to get some beaver tails, and oh fuck, there's a bear! Rawr. <laughs> Good thing it wasn't over at the U.S. Embassy, the guards would have shot it. Yeah, that's how they do. Yeah, so, anyway. We also saw a skunk when we were visiting you in Ottawa. Yeah, over by the um, Canada Post Distribution Center. Yeah. Oh, that's why they started the strike. <laughs> Too many skunks. We keep on getting sprayed. And then we get barked at by dogs. It's really stressful, guys. Yeah, so anyway, Sherlock Holmes. He needs no introduction. Or should I say she? What? Yeah, as I said, we're just turning everything... Flipped upside down. All the dudes are ladies. All the ladies are dudes. At least one lady's a dude. Yeah. Well, I only see I, one guy. Yeah. Well, that's because Mark's the only one of any real importance. I should say Mark is Mary Morstan. Yeah. Congratulations, Mark. You're the token white male. <laughs> 
<laughs> because our Sherlock is Siobhan Holmes. She's... What did we decide? She was going to be an asexual psychology student, has issues with bipolar, and authority. really likes mystery. Yeah, and authority. Yeah, that's why she's at the U of R instead of the U of T. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's 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 uh, roll things back so we can actually yeah. give some people the the plot, the impetus of what's going on. Basically, it begins with Siobhan Holmes, uh, teen sleuth extraordinaire, pissing off one too many people at her elite British private school. And so the Holmes parents decide, you know what? Screw this. We we don't want to deal with you anymore. And so they ship her off to the middle of nowhere, of course, as they can, which happens to be <laughs> Regina, Saskatchewan. <laughs> which, to be fair, pretty middle of nowhere. Even though we're getting bigger, we're still basically a small town. Yeah. Everybody knows everybody. It takes... How far is uh, Moose Like, 45 minutes at least? Yeah, an hour with construction. <laughs> 45 minutes in the winter, an hour in construction season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you think they would have built that bypass by now, but... Oh, uh... the bypass is eternal. <laughs> yeah. It's been under construction since the dawn of time, and it will be under construction <laughs> upon the heat death of the universe. <laughs> I totally forgot that we could just, like, talk all about Regina and everything that is wonderful about Regina. Indeed. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> oh, it's a nice town. Yeah, it's alright. Yeah. <laughs> Still, one day I'm gonna fly away. I know. There's a, you know, certain type of people who, like, Regina is meant to be their place. For other types, it's like, no, no. Heck, even if I got to Saskatoon, I feel like that would be an uptick. Really? Saskatoon definitely exists a little bit more than Regina does. Okay, it's bigger and, yeah, it's the Paris, the Prairies, but <laughs> is that really an upgrade? Yes, there's stuff to do there. <laughs> okay, the I'm just... The reason that there's no place to do things in Regina is why we would end up having four-hour-long driveway discussions. <laughs> yeah, okay. That was the yeah. entertainment. But at the same time, like, we're talking about Saskatoon, where there's, like, the Wheat Kings, the university, some concerts, and you're next to, like, Prince Albert. There's, like, three gaming cafes right beside each other. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. Actually, we should rewind a bit more, like, beyond the general premise of Siobhan Holmes, teen genius, and sleuth who pisses off way too many people and gets sent to Regina, Saskatchewan. Dun dun dun! We've spent most of this episode just shit-talking the prairies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, way, 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 way back, um, two shows appeared, both for Sherlock Holmes adaptations. One was Sherlock, which... Okay, we're just gonna have to be honest, like, right up front and make sure that all of the Sherlockian fans kind of, like, leave now. Yeah, hey, no, here, was this. If you like yeah. Sherlock, that's fine. But we super don't? Okay, I like the first season. Okay. Everything after that went straight downhill. Valid. 
And the other show that we do genuinely like is Elementary. Yes. Which I did actually stop watching a few seasons ago. I don't have regular access to Global, so I... But it's on Amazon now, so... Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I... Well, just because the fourth... Was it the fourth season with Sherlock's dad? Yeah, I yeah. think that's when his dad appeared and kind of threw a wrench into everything. And that, that... See, that one just dragged so long. Yeah. And, uh... I Watson prefer... got stuck in, like, a character development cul-de-sac. Yeah. Like, I prefer Sherlock's parents to kind of just be, like, not their... He's got money. Don't ask where. Yeah. Okay? So, anyway, we're fans of Elementary, not so much fans of Sherlock. Um, but the general idea is that we're going to take the Sherlock Holmes stories, set it in the modern day, and our twist was to set it on the prairies with young, gender-flipped characters. And since a whole bunch of public domain characters are guys, it's almost an entirely female cast. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, crap! Hey, remember that one time Maurice LeBlanc wanted to do a crossover with uh, Arsene Lupin and Sherlock Holmes, and that never happened because Sir Arthur Conan Doyle nixed it? Well, now Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is fucking dead, and he can't stop us. And Sherlock Holmes is in the public domain, so the Conan Doyle estate can't do anything about that. Suck it, Doyleists. And then, I think it was you who started going through the list of public domain characters. Yeah. I know you said that there's a bunch of Pinterest boards for this, but yeah. also we did have a Google Doc, which is probably a bit, little bit easier to navigate than just your your 17 boards worth of aesthetic. Yeah. Our Sherlock Holmes. She is called Siobhan Holmes. It is spelled the Irish way. S-I-O-B-H-A-N. Yes, it makes no sense. It's Irish. Deal with it. Gaelic does not care about letters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That like those languages are just like fuck you English. It's the best. I mean, they're probably just exacerbated even more in order to specifically say fuck you English. Yeah. <laughs> so, Siobhan Holmes, a psychology student from a wealthy Toronto family, sent to the prairies after a scandal with her sister Millie or Millicent in tow. Bohemian and eccentric, Siobhan needs mystery to. Uh, exercise her mind. And then we have done another great thing. We have not only gender flipped our uh, John Watson, we have also made her a Muslim! Yay! Race bent. And then either we had to change her name or I had to change the name of a different character. You had to change the Be name of a different character for your persuasion. Yeah, I because I'm working on a persuasion modern adapt modernization adaptation, and I had a, there was a character in there named John. But I also turned into a Muslim girl, and there's only so many uh, female Arabic names that sound a bit like John, and so I just I I broke and I just changed her name to Janessa, which is not an Arabic name, I think. Well, when when I you go know. through the roots, hang on, let me let me head over to behind the name, the best website on the internet for writers. Oh, yes. I have that bookmarked. I consult it frequently. I go oh, down many rabbit holes. No, it looks like it just got, it was a combination of Jane and Vanessa and just got rammed together. There's the family <laughs> tree. I don't know. You could say that it came it's from either Janice. Descended, 
looking at the family tree, it's either descended from the English name Vanessa or the theologic name Yahweh. <laughs> but so many names are descended from Yahweh. Yeah. Even Shavalan. And just Hebrew names in general. Yeah. And it's weird how a whole bunch of Hebrew male names have gone through a lot of evolution and iterations over the years. But a lot of female names did not change at all. Yeah. It's like, um, John Mulaney pointed out best in his little spiel about the Psalms. <laughs> it's like, this is Jebediah and his wife, Rachel. <laughs> Only so many names because nobody cares about the girls. There's a reason why on the men at night side of the family, there's about 15 relatives all named Helen. <laughs> Like, seriously, Dad remembers growing up and having to go through, like, Andy's Helen, John's Helen, uh, Jake's Helen, Grandma named Helena, Gerald's Helen. There was probably some other Helens on the other side, and, like, whenever they would go anywhere and there was an Aunt Tina involved, Dad would always ask, which Aunt Tina? Oh, you know, <laughs> the Giesbrack Aunt Tina. You know that they drink, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, we don't have anything that good in my family. Uh, my point of reference is just my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> <laughs> this is my cousin and his children, Danita, Diane, and Nick. This is my other cousin, his children, Danita, Diane, and Nick. Uh, that's Nick, Diane, Nick, 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 Nico. <laughs> it's a thing. Especially when you come from large families and there's a tendency to reuse names. On yeah. my mom's side, there was a problem with all the Dorothys. At one time, there was my great-grandmother named Dorothy, my great-grandfather's sister named Dorothy, and my great-grandfather's sister-in-law named Dorothy. Great. I had a friend who had two Uncle Bobs who were stepbrothers. <laughs> So awkward. So, anyway, yeah. John Watson is now Janan Walid. She is a pre-med student, even though there isn't an actual medical school at the U of R. We're just going to fudge it and say that. We invented, we invented the medical college. Yeah. Hey, anyways, let's talk about Mycroft Holmes, who in every yes. iteration of the Sherlock franchise is able to bend time and space in order to become the most... A highly ranked person in whatever setting they're in. <laughs> yes! We, uh, Mycroft Holmes has become Millicent Millie Holmes, who's Javon's older twin sister by seven minutes. She is earning <laughs> a double major in political science and economics, and a day into her university career, she is already running the student union. <laughs> she didn't even run, and she's in charge of the damn thing, like... She just showed up on her first day, she's like, hello, it's me, I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're like, okay, but, you know, given what Ursu is like, and probably still is like. Oh my god, was there ever a year that they didn't have a scandal? I don't remember there not being a scandal. Also, maybe you, maybe it's just because I didn't pay attention, but do you have any memory of them actually doing anything to help students? Not really, other than maybe getting the U passes for the buses, and that didn't come in until after we had graduated. Hey, at least the R cards only cost us like 60 bucks back then instead of 100 now. Oh god. Yeah. That is absolutely terrible, and what the fuck, Regina? 
Ugh, we were throwing a lot of shade at city planning. Regina, <laughs> Saskatoon, the prairies. What is up with you? Highways. Oh yeah, remember that fucking hole that still probably isn't built in on the corner of Albert and Victoria? The hole! <laughs> the hole knows whether you were lying or being honest. The hole sees into your soul. <laughs> we'll get to the hole. I'm gonna spelunk to the bottom and find really yet. <laughs> okay, that will be a filler episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of, of Little Homes on the Prairie? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what we're calling it, Little Homes on the Prairies. Yes. Because we gotta get that pun in. <laughs> Puns are the number one cause of profit in North America. Yep. Uh, so we got our Inspector Gregson, Toby Gregson. She's, uh... Let's see, a young, wide-eyed police studies major helping to join the RCMP after university. She's usually sweet, intuitive, and rather observant to the world around her. I also decided that she is a champion barrel racer. So A what racer? Barrel racer. You never watched Rodeo? No. You live in Calgary! Like, you, you got the fucking stampede. Like, you never- Yeah, I only went to the stampede, like, twice, and was kind of miserable. <laughs> okay. So, for the uneducated... The stampede's a scam! <laughs> yeah, so, anyway... That's where I saw um, my first boob. <laughs> Aside from your mother's. I, I don't... I mean, I don't remember seeing that, so that really yeah. does not count. Okay. So, anyway, barrel racing is a sport in rodeo where you... Um, it's a timed event where you ride your horse around three barrels, and you gotta do it in a cloverleaf uh, pattern. And also not knocking over the barrels. Like, you gotta get in as tight as possible to get, like, really, you know, tight loops because that's faster. And, yeah, it's actually quite challenging. I know people who uh, take part in barrel racing. And, um, yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, mom kind of... She really does not like rodeo because mainly with the bulls and how they're not always treated the best... And so she kind of warned me away from that, too, so I never got into rodeo. Okay. There's so little Alberta cowboy in me. Like, you wouldn't know. <laughs> unless you knew that I had lived in Calgary, you wouldn't be able to guess it. Yeah, that's true. I cannot see you with the Stetson at all. Nope. Someone did ask how my family was doing with all that oil money. And I'm like, you know we, we moved back to Regina because my dad got laid off and all the money's here, right? Yeah. And then kind of the bottom fell out of the potash yeah. industry. And, yeah. yeah. Well, no, it was just the government didn't know what to do with all the money. Yeah, that's true. So they true. just squandered it all. Yeah. It's one of those, hey, you should have taken a page from Norway's book and created like a rainy day fund. Yeah. Or... Pump that back into the fucking universities, dear fucking Christ. Yeah. Yeah, we're but <laughs> this is a lot of inside Saskatchewan baseball here. Oof, yeah. Well no, it's I'm I'm sure other people can relate to other BS that happens in their cities or provinces or states. Yeah. And you know, if we do have listeners from uh like the central plains of the USA, they probably get it too. 
Honestly, here's the thing, though. It's um, when I listen to stuff from the Rooster Teeth podcast and they complain <laughs> about stuff happening in Austin. I've never been to Austin, but I, it's amusing to me hearing that other towns and cities are also having some structural issues, I guess. <laughs> So yeah. I'm, sure it's, I'm sure the same applies to other people. It's like, oh, you you have people, you have city governments that don't believe in roads? That's great. <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah. It, like, here in Ottawa, in the, like, last dying days of October and in the early days of November, they were scrambling to get as much road work done before the snow came. And ruined it all. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So... We're just going to spoil this right off the bat and talk about Mike um, Moriarty. No, I don't, I don't want to spoil that. I want to keep that a secret. Okay. I want to keep my Moriarty a secret because I do believe that we can make this. Okay. I believe, that, I believe in the power of us. Yeah. Okay, so we'll keep Moriarty in the power under that wraps. comes from a country united as one. <laughs> no, 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 no. I believe in the power of you and me. Um, so anyway, Lestrade, um, Lestrade, um, I did some evolving of what she, what her major was, but I decided math. Yeah, she's also an RA at, it, for one of the dorms. And wasn't Lestrade, cause we, we, the idea was that, um, the two homes is Watson and Lestrade were all like roommates together in the same student housing unit. Yeah. Which is great, because, like, the framing device initially was that uh, Janan, either she's keeping an online diary, or she's just doing vlogs of the shenanigans that the home sisters drag her into. Oh, yeah, because I originally proposed this as uh, a vlog series, because I had also been watching, like, uh, the Lizzie Bennet diaries, oh, yeah. and Emma approved, and all that, and... I think that framing device would work besides like the framing device of the original home stories is that uh, Dr. Watson has been publishing these stories. Mm -hmm. I think it would be interesting to continue the whole doing vlogs or some sort of blog. Blogs are kind of passe, actually. I don't know. Maybe a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I said this could be an audio drama even. Yeah, Janon's just taking, like, a recorder with her. She's doing a true crime podcast, and <laughs> she's providing the scientific medical side of it because she's the medical student. That is actually the perfect way to do this. <laughs> <laughs> like, hello, hi, and welcome to Little Homes on the Prairie, the Minnesota. <laughs> I'm Sherlock. And I'm Watson. <laughs> if we haven't spilled the beans about us being fans of my favorite murder, oh, no, what have you been listening out. to? Did you see that clip I retreated from uh, Law & Order SVU? Yes. <laughs> His name's Carl Parsley. He used to photograph stereos for Radio Shack magazines. <laughs> and Carl Parsley is exactly the kind of guy who would show up in a My Favorite Murder Story. Yeah, he's it's up there with Paul Holes and Paul Onions. And what was the other guy, like Tom Jackets? Tom Jacket, yeah. Though I want to say there was another guy whose last name was Bun. 
Oh my god! Our series could totally have so many shoutouts to Letterkenny with all of the side characters. Yes. Oh, this whole thing would just be my favorite murder by way of Letterkenny. <laughs> I can see... I can see our homes now. They're, for whatever reason, at, like, a diner in, um... I don't, I don't know why I, I do this to Weyburn all the time, but Weyburn. They're over in Weyburn for something. <laughs> and, um... Are we shit talking Weyburn now? <laughs> why not? Uh. I had this one vision in my head at some, like, diner in Weyburn. Janan loses sight of uh, Siobhan for a bit, and she's going, where is she? Where is she? And then she looks around the corner, and there's, like, a duck hunt. Um, like, one of those hunting simulator arcade games. You know, like, the bear hunt one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Siobhan's just, like, getting the highest score possible on <laughs> it. <laughs> While two local hicks are just going, like, holy shit, city girl can shoot. <laughs> We're gonna have to take her out uh, whitetail hunting this year. Though <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the easiest version to hunt whitetail is, you know, run them over with your car. Ah. Don't- oh, come on, they're always jumping the highway. Yeah, but that's gonna wreck your car and could hurt you. My cousin's it- crashed into a deer once. It was not my- pretty. <laughs> my grandparents crashed into one, too. In the tundra. The tundra won. <laughs> <laughs> it tundraized that deer. Well, if you're drying a brick of steel on wheels, <laughs> as opposed to the family minivan... <laughs> Okay, the family minivan is one thing, and probably the family F-150 is another. Yeah. Oh yeah, someone's gotta make a comment about all the white F-150s that are around town. Now it's all brown Buicks, because everyone copied me. (laughs) When did Buicks become a popular car? I don't know, and... Like, most of them are Buicks, but also there's, like, a model of Kia that looks exactly the same and comes in the exact same color. Like, it's almost identical until you see the Kia logo instead of a Buick. Does, like, Kia own Buick or Buick own Kia? No, they're completely different. Because Buick is GM and Kia is not. Is Kia Korean or is it, like, a... I think Kia is Korean. Okay. (laughs) This is where we need Ty. Ty, tell us about cars! (laughs) Yeah, South Korea's oldest manufacturer of motor vehicles. Oh, wow. That's why they can park outside of Kim's convenience, but a Subaru can't. <laughs> oh! <laughs> just, just spilling that tea right there. Yeah, no, that was one of the cold opens. Because <laughs> uh, Appa tried to call the cops on a, a Subaru parked illegally in front of the corner store. And then, um, while he's talking about why he doesn't want a Japanese car out there, it drives away, and uh, Kia pulls up and parks there. And his daughter's like, oh, well, there's a Kia there now. And he's like, oh, that's fine then. (laughs) So, anyway, um... I think this is the least we've been able to talk about a topic ever. Yeah. <laughs> We're just talking so much about Regina. Can I say, um, the, the letter Kenny side character thing also works well because we were trying to shove every public domain person we could into here. Yeah. And at some point, J- Janan definitely needs to say, hey, why are half the people we know just happen to be detectives? <laughs> why are you all casual PIs? 
<laughs> and everybody just like stares at each other for a moment and shrugs. It's like oh, they'd have to f- form their own club at the university. <laughs> well, like they're not no, all that- gonna be there. You know, this could be a show in itself, not, I mean, yes, this, obviously, but also just, without the university thing, it could just be a show of, like, all the fictional detectives just forming their own PI agency. (laughs) And it would basically be, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine with all of the personality (laughs) issues. Because he got Holmes and his particularness, depending on how you interpret it. Uh, You got Hercule Poirot. And his, he definitely has um, obsessive compulsive personality disorder. And we swapped that to Helen Poirot. Yeah, Helen Poirot. She's from Quebec. Her father is Belgian, and she is a proud Quebecois. She is not French. We also changed Arsène Lupin to Ariane Lupin, who is French. She's a French art history major. Uh, she's also a notorious cat burglar, a mistress of disguise. And sometimes consulting Detecto for Interpol, even though she's a university student. She has many hats! <laughs> I mean, literally, she has so many hats. <laughs> yeah, it's like, where do you get them? Mm, let's just say uh, the security on the Champs-Élysées is uh, something much to be desired. What if she went to the Marvel Cinematic Universe School of Disguise where it's just a baseball cap and sunglasses? <laughs> Like, they don't even change posture like Superman does. <laughs> who I'm trying to think of who would be the most recognizable in that get-up. Uh, ima- <laughs> imagine if the Guardians show up on Earth, and they're all just wearing baseball caps and sunglasses, even though, you know, one's two are green, one's a raccoon, one's a tree. The only ones that would work for are Mantis, because at least, like, those would cover up the most alien bits of her body, and Peter, who's already human, and also no one cares who he is. Yeah! And then he'd be really disappointed that no one knows he's Star-Lord, even though no one on Earth has heard of Star-Lord. Yeah. Look, poor Peter's just got a serious case of arrested development, so... I'm surprised Marvel hasn't made heroes related to some of these... Like, characters. Yeah. Okay, Marvel Comics, in its current iteration, probably never. Yeah. Um, it would... It probably showed up in Detective Comics. Yeah. Doi, Tanner. Oh, Get hey. with the program. Hey, Batman, um, could you please remember that Bruce is supposed to be your best detective <laughs> for once in your fucking life? Yeah, so, the other public domain characters we got, Robin Hood. Also called Robin Hood. I just took like the Middle English spelling. <laughs> it's basically the same. For, it's a, I'm no, I'm Robin Hood, but you can call me Robin Hood. Robin Hood. It's pronounced the same. Though I did make her Japanese, so she might say Robin Hooday. Oh yeah, was but is that even a Japanese last name? Yeah. We we don't want to just make up words. Yeah. Okay. So she's Robin Hood. It is spelled H O D E. She's like, no, it's pronounced hood. My dad's English, like, from England, and my mom is Japanese-Canadian. The English have weird ways of pronouncing things. Have you ever seen the city of... <laughs> she points to, like, Leicester or whatever. Pronounce that! <laughs> and then, like, Siobhan and Millie would both have completely different pronunciations and then just glare at each other. 
<laughs> in the background, uh, like, Lestrade is just like, Worcestershire sauce! Not even close. Okay, so Maid Marian is Mariam Markmelbeth, a veterinary science major and girlfriend of Robin. She is a Bonnie and fine young, oh, fine young lass. <laughs> of good humor, cleverness, and unabashed tomboyishness. And yes, I know that the University of Virginia does not have a veterinary department, but we're going to make a they veterinary do now. department. We're yeah. making the U of R so much cooler than it is in real life. <laughs> Look, it already has an agriculture department. Why not have a veterinary department? Her introductory... Because, her because Saskatchewan doesn't have animals, it just has wheat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we totally don't have a beef industry here. <laughs> That's Alberta and they're Angus. Yeah. I've decided that Miriam, our Miriam's introduction is her with her like arm halfway stuck up a cow's rear. <laughs> Like, they try to make Maid Marian, like, an aristocrat and, like, a fine country lady. Nah, she was a shepherdess who was originally shopping fire talk. Yeah, didn't she basically get kidnapped by whoever, the sheriff? And he's like, you're the prettiest peasant ever. I'm gonna hose all that mud off you and marry you. And you can't yeah. stop me. And she's like, fucking says who? Robin, get your shit down here. Yeah. Is the new Robin Hood out yet? Yes, it is, and it's apparently terrible. But what kind of terrible? I think it's more in the so bad it's good, like really campy and stupid. Oh, good. That means I can watch it. Yeah. Like, apparently, they their medieval armor is uh, trying to make, like, um, you know, like a leather uh, jerkin with some metal plating on it. Look like a flak jacket. Well, I think the whole aesthetic they were going for was kind of this, like, modern, medieval, hodgepodge thing. Yeah. Like, right from the beginning, my historian brain was just noping right out. <laughs> yeah, I think- I do not go into that with historical stuff in mind. Look, I just want a historically accurate Robin Hood movie. Is that so hard to ask? Apparently, yes. Yes, it is super hard to ask. <sighs> okay, anyway, Hercule Poirot, Alain Poirot, a pre-law student from Laval University, or La Université de Laval. So she is a private detective of sorts like Siobhan, to the point of rivalry. Alain is also fastidious and neat and has been diagnosed with OCPD. We should probably talk a bit about the difference between uh, obsessive-compulsive disorder and obsessive-compulsive personality disorder. There is a major difference. Yes. Yeah, so OCD is an anxiety disorder. So your brain is telling you you need to do stuff and you will have panic attacks if you don't do it and you have to obsessively repeat a certain task. Obsessive-compulsive personality disorder, your brain doesn't realize that you have a problem. Oh. Yikes. Yeah. Because it's a personality disorder. And the thing with personality disorders is that you don't usually realize that you have a problem. I think I have obsessive-compulsive, not obsessive compulsive disorders but i think i have obsessive compulsive tendencies if that's a thing mm. i don't i don't want to say like put write it in stone that i have it but i'll i'll go on the record of like if i got diagnosed with something like that i wouldn't be shocked yeah like 
you and I both have issues with anxiety, but it manifests yeah, that's differently. That's more of a generational thing, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, this is a thing. OCPD has been attached to Hercule Poirot since, well, for a while. Because a, a major character tick of his, um, what makes him a good detective is that he's so observant because he will notice little details out of order, but he is obsessed with those little details being out of order. And a character tick is like when he's in a room, he will start rearranging things because he's like, this has to be in a particular way. There was a really great TV adaptation, uh, British TV adaptation from the 90s into the early 2000s. And the actor who played Perot, he always was like going around the room and he would like adjust the frames and rearrange like the knickknacks all over the place and the books and all that sort of stuff. He didn't stop moving. And he was super particular about his schedule and super particular about things being a certain way. So, yeah. Um, we ha- I realize we haven't actually finished the Holmes characters. Oh, yeah, we should probably go back up to the Holmes characters. Oh, hey, <sighs> we have an Isaac Adler. Yeah. It's so- another... <laughs> now we're up to two dudes! Yay! An entire so- two. Yeah, our summary was that he is a music student with opera opera aspirations, was thought to have had an affair with the professor. Should the rumors get out, it would endanger both of them because the art world is vicious as fuck. Yeah. Which Um, we we wrote a lot of this out before Me Too happened. Yeah. So, but now that's just kind of reinforced it. Yeah, and this is an important point that Me Too can happen to guys. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah, their experiences with harassment is, like, not in the, you get accused of doing something wrong and, oh, poor me, I'm the victim. No, like, I was victimized by my professor. Yeah. Who just so happens to be a woman, but she's in a position of power and she can make or break my career. Exactly. Yeah. Um... And I was thinking with Scandal and Bo- with our Scandal in Bavaria adaptation, we should play it straight. Like, don't do a lot of fooling around with the actual structure of the story. Because what is great about that story is that Sherlock was kind of the bad guy in that yeah. one. And Irene was the genius. Yeah. And the reason Irene always gets cast as like his uh, love interest yeah, is because his- Sherlock, he, like, he takes a step back and was like, Oh, I was kind of being an asshole. You're very good. I like this chick. Yeah. So, okay, there might be a whole thing about, you know, the one guy being our main female character. But in this case, it's more of misinterpretation of what's actually going on. And I think the only tweaking that we should do is at the ending, it's like, Siobhan makes sure to give a big old fuck you to the... uh to the professor who was fucking around with Isaac. Yeah. We'll even just make... Because the main reason it's an issue for both of them is that because there's so much information that could get out. So it would probably end with Siobhan just coming out with the record set straight, the evidence is immutable, uh, Isaac is completely cleared, and the professor... like The universe is not really given any choice other than letting them go and blacklisting them from other universities. Yeah. So, yeah, that one is pretty much set in stone. Uh, we got our Sebastian Moran, who is called Sebastien Moran. Disgraced and expelled from the Royal Military College, Moran is looking for a way back. Damn the consequences. So, Moran was, of course, one of Moriarty's henchmen, did a lot of bad things, and the Royal Military College is Canada's 
basically version of like West Point or Sandhurst. Yeah. Yeah. So she does have some military training and she's a fucking asshole. Congratulations. Yeah. Mrs. Hudson, a.k.a. Martin Hudson. Now we have three dudes! Yay! Uh, he's a kindly RA and a business admin major who tries to keep the house tidy and orderly as much as possible with the Holmeses. So in this case, it's more like making sure their dorm floor is, you know, not structurally compromised. <laughs> yes, which is a thing that can happen when you have two homes in the same room. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did just remember another thing we had where, like, for the longest time, Jonan wouldn't even be sure if Millie is real because yeah! they never see her. They only hear about her exploits. <laughs> and I, th I think I suggested that before she meets Millicent proper, she's like, Siobhan, is Millicent your, like, secret identity that you just use to cause shit? <laughs> <laughs> and Siobhan's like, I would not be lying at all, ever, about Millie. Yeah. Millie is like, even smarter than me. <laughs> you cannot make jokes about things that Millie does because she's probably already done them for real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, she probably did them two years ago and he didn't realize that she did them until now. <laughs> so Mary Morstan, Mark Morstan, uh, education major, has a thing for Janan. He comes to Siobhan initially to look for his missing father and a mysterious treasure. So, yeah. Um, Mary... And Sherlock was major disappointment because they killed her off. <sighs> Very quickly, too. Yeah. But then again, when your seasons are only like three two-hour episodes, like... British Brevity is one thing, but like at least Downton Abbey had like ten episodes in their seasons. Uh, there was probably only like seven British shows that have reached a hundred episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and I bet five of them are sitcoms. Or five of them are soap operas. Because even the sitcoms have short. Well, one is definitely Midsummer Murders. That thing's been going on since the fucking 80s. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, it's like, ugh, American sitcoms is like 22 episodes every year for 10 years. British sitcoms is like six episodes in 2012 and six episodes in 2015. And the Christmas special. All right, so long. <laughs> yeah, it's so... Like, the thing that gets me with British Beverly is what do they fill the airtime with? I know. Because they could not have so many shows being produced that they don't have room to give them more episodes on the schedule. Yeah, like, do you have that many kid shows that you can, like, pump out an episode per day? Or, like... Even the kid shows are brief, though. Yeah. Like, Sir Jane Adventures only had, like, eight episodes in its first season. Ugh... You know what? Someone who is smarter and more British than us, please, exp please explain your television situation. <laughs> the weirdest television situation I ever saw, actually. Do you remember the show Anger Management with uh, Charlie Sheen? Yes. So let me tell you how Charlie Sheen's episodes broke down. It had two seasons. Okay. It ran for 100 episodes. Were they like half hours? Yeah, half-hour episodes, okay, 100 yeah. episodes over two seasons, 10 episodes in the first season, and 90 in the second. That's damn near one a day for, like, three months. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, um, <laughs> British property is weird and was super detri detrimental to poor Mary Morrison. Yeah. And they also turned her into a spy, which is like, 
cool, but then you never did anything with her yeah. other than kill her. And uh, fuck you, Steve Moffat and Mark G- Gates is for that. Gattis. Gattis, yeah. Maybe I'll make it a thing and always try to mispronounce Mark Mark Gattis's name. <laughs> he made an excellent Stephen Garner on Wolf Hall, and let's just say Stephen Garner historically was a fucking bastard. Who else do we have? I think most of the other Sherlock Holmes characters are just side characters and one shot characters. Yeah. Who else do we have for public domain people? Uh, we got Charlie Chan, who we fixed. Yeah. Because uh, I personally, I've always wanted there to be a, a reimagining of Charlie Chan in something. Yeah. Because the concept seems great because it was, this in- was like early 20th century detective novels with a Chinese detective. Who and he was also based on a real guy. Based on a real guy. And he's in Honolulu, so we're back to Hawaii again. Yeah. And like regularly is outsmarting people. But the execution does leave a lot to be desired because... There's a lot of racist language in the original books and yeah, also all and the movies he's portrayed by a white guy. Yeah, there was a lot of yellow face. Um anyway, Changapana was fucking cool. Yeah. Like, um, he allegedly went into like this uh one hideout of a bunch of uh criminals in Honolulu. So at the time the red light district, the kind of like rough neighborhood of Honolulu was Chinatown. So Changapana went into this one place to break up I, I don't know what try it or whatever armed with nothing but a bullwhip and kicked ass indiana jones style i guess yes he's, he is both indiana jones and sherlock holmes <laughs> indiana holmes <laughs> he was thrown out of a two-story window and he just like landed on his feet like a fucking cat yep Changapana, look him up he's fucking cool so yeah, uh, our Charlie Chan is Kehulani Chan. She's an international studies student from Honolulu of Chinese Hawaiian descent. She's rather unassuming, but has a wide network of contacts, is shrewd, and has a meticulous approach to detective work. With Kehulani Chan, she was only going to appear in like the vacation beach episode where Siobhan and Janan go to, ho- go to Hawaii and, oh crap, there's a body. There's a body. Oh, finally! And cue the Hawaii Five O drum roll. <laughs> but it's not a violin because it's also Sherlock. <laughs> so yeah, we turn Father Brown into Sister Bernadette. Um, basically, Satertians c- because I think the local nunnery or uh, the local convent, I should say, is a. C- Satertian. <laughs> oh, what's wrong with her getting herself to a nunnery, Lindsay? <laughs> she did get herself to a nunnery. What do you have against nunneries, Lindsay? <laughs> uh, somebody would complain about me calling them nunneries. I'm but really, call it's full nunnery. of nuns. Yeah. I'm gonna walk into church on Christmas Eve and be like, oh, this is such a great nunnery. <laughs> so, um, Sister Bernadette, she was born J. Brown. Oh, another thing about Father Brown is they never gave his first name other than J. It starts with a J. That's all we know. So we can speculate about what the J stands for. <laughs> Juicy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so she's a young Cistercian nun earning her degree in theology because, yeah, that's a rather obvious thing to get. Uh, and she's, she's also a casual investigator because every character in this is a casual <laughs> investigator. Yeah. She's plain, unassuming, kind-hearted nun, possessing an insightful, intuitive mind and idealistic views. 
Um, we James are approaching. Bond. Yeah, we're approaching bear and a half mark. So let's let's yeah. do some express on these last two characters. We put James Bond in here because, because as it turns out, James Bond is in the public domain in Canada. Yep, <laughs> only in Canada, which means yeah. we can't even air the episodes with James Bond outside of Canada. <laughs> this is the Patreon exclusive. Yeah. Mind you, we did change the name to Jack Bond, and I'm sure they'll, like, only view it as an homage rather than an infringement on their copyrights. Yeah. Again, we're protected by Creative Commons. TM, TM, TM. Yeah. Um, we're still keeping in the whole fact that uh, she's sleeping with everybody, and she is drunk half the time. Yep. Uh, Thomas Karnak. Uh, yeah, Karnaki. <laughs> the Karnaki the Ghostfinder became Tamsin Karnaki, a.k.a. at Ghostfinder on Twitter. <laughs> He's a paranormal, paranormal blogger. Who I guess shows up in all the Halloween episodes. Yes. <laughs> she might be a bit more um, molder than Scully. Oh, for sure. Like, Shavon's just gonna be like, there's no such thing in ghosts. And then Karnaki's just standing there with, like, a, pent a pentagram made of, like, exposed wires just waving in her face, like, FUCK YOU! <laughs> Bigfoot is real and he's my dad. Yeah. And then we got two people who were real life people. Who I'm very torn about including them because, yeah, you wanted to make Sir Arthur Conan Doyle like character in this series. And I'm like, that raises some concerning questions about. Yeah, okay. So the we'll, take out, we'll take out Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, but I want to keep Eric Weiss, aka Harry Houdini. Oh yeah, so so she so Erica Weiss, aka Hazel Houdini, would absolutely be punching Tamsin Karnacki in the face. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> here's the thing: Harry Houdini, though a devout Jew, was a complete skeptic. Yes. It also doesn't help that at the time, all those all those uh, spiritists and mediums were totally taking so many people for rides. Yeah. So anyway, I actually have figured out how to deal with the whole Erica Vice is also Harry Houdini, but also have Harry Houdini as a historical figure in the series. Did you ever watch the Trotsky? No, I haven't watched the Trotsky yet, but I know okay. her premise. Does she think she's the reincarnation of Harry Houdini? Maybe not, but I was thinking like, I don't know, her grandma makes an appearance and it's like, she's a lot like Harry Houdini. Couldn't we just say that she's, like, uh, paying homage to him? Like, Hazel Houdini is her stage name? Yeah, and, like, maybe maybe uh, Karnacki's the one who's like, oh, yeah, you were totally a reincarnation of Harry Houdini, and it just so happens that they do share the same birthday and that their families are very similar because her dad's also a rabbi and she's also a Hungari of Hungarian Jewish descent. <laughs> the thing is, she wouldn't believe in reincarnation, probably. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. That's the crossover episode with Thomas, with Tansen, or <laughs> Karnacki, who's like, oh, yeah, you're totally the reincarnation of Harry Houdini, and, and Erica's just like, Reincarnation isn't a thing. <laughs> and then she pulls out her electropentogram again. Fuck you! <laughs> but like, her introduction is like, the one time Siobhan gets like, a handcuffed or something and she can't get herself out of, she can't like lockpick herself out of something, so they call and in. And she keeps on going, ha ha! Wait, I'm still stuck. <laughs> yeah, so they call in uh, Erica who's a kinesiology student and gymnast, and she's an escapologist. Yes, oh, escapologist I was is think a thing. I was thinking it would be that Erica puts handcuffs on Holmes. Yeah. 
<laughs> and like the entire time Holmes is just trying to get out of them in the background like if this is an audio drama you just hear her shuffling around every once in a just hear aha wait shit <laughs> and then Eric eventually they have to call up. over Lestrade with the bolt cutters <laughs> they're still on my wrists <laughs> <laughs> yeah then Janan would be like they're still on your wrists Holmes and Holmes would be like no no now it's a fashion statement <laughs> Whatever you say, Holmes. Anyway, Holmes and Watson and what they're like personality-wise. Yes. Yeah. Because personality is all important about Holmes. Because there's been so many interpretations of Holmes over the years. Yeah. I brought up the bipolar thing because, while well, there's been a lot of a, a lot of debate over Holmes's uh, mental health status. And there's been a lot of different readings, like um, from neurotypical to um, sociopathy. And everything in between. And I went with bipolar because... Okay, so my first Holmes was indeed Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century. (laughs) (laughs) That is the best place to start. (laughs) But my first, like, I guess grown-up Holmes was uh, the Jeremy Brett version from the Granada uh, television series back in the 80s. Jeremy Brett, the big thing about him was that he had bipolar disorder. It affected him, especially near the end of that Sherlock Holmes. And um, we were trying to figure out, like, what would this Holmes's deal be? I just bought this bottle last week. <laughs> 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 that is fair. <laughs> I I plan on buying several bottles of wine for the Fantastic Beasts episode. Oh boy. So anyway, we were talking all those many moons ago about what Holmes's deal was and we thought that bipolar would be the thing because another thing that uh Sherlock never addressed was um I don't know, the whole drug addiction thing. Like the closest they ever did was the fact that Holmes used nicotine patches for like a quick nicotine energy boost which is silly yeah elementary dealt with it much better yeah and they switch it to heroin which makes sense in context yes it makes much more sense in context but it also means that because they've done such a good job with it we don't want to go the addiction route because that would be rather reductive of us yeah um i think we actually like went in the complete opposite direction with that and made it much lighter and just made her like a caffeine craver yeah yeah caffeine and maybe the only drama like drug wise is more about making sure that she takes her pills yes like we could even say someone makes a comment about how crazy she is and Janata's like this is her normal this is her toned down yeah on on her meds you don't want to see what she's like without them and we we want to make sure we don't play it for For comedy necessarily like it bipolar is a serious thing and it can mess you up uh, if you don't have the right meds, especially if it's not like the right chemical balance for you. Oh yeah, yeah. I've cause... I've talked to people who struggle with bipolar stuff, and it is a mess trying to get the meds right. Yeah, and like to the point where I think that's where some of the stigma for taking meds for mental health in general comes from is that there are people who they they aren't able to go through the whole process because being on the meds and the meds not being correct is almost worse than having the bipolar. Having and none at all. None yeah. at all. And yeah. so they just swirl off completely. And on the one hand, like you need to, if you really want it to be something you can manage, you do need to find the right kind of prescription. 
in order to properly manage it. But on the other hand, if you're having so much trauma from the medication, I don't really blame you for saying, you know what, no pills at all for me because these are not helping. Yeah. And it's so easy with uh, mental disorders to be misdiagnosed or like you are especially given the right diagnosis. Yeah, especially in women, but you could also... The thing with mental disorders is that you generally don't only have one. Yeah. You tend to have, like, a cluster of stuff going on. And sometimes elements of one will cancel the other out, and so it's like, well, I can't have this because I do this, and I can't have this because I do this. Yeah, so that's going to be, like, a big thing about our homes is that she has... That's her biggest weak spot. It's her approach to the whole... uh, dealing with her own mental health, trying to make sure that she is balanced, she's taking her meds correctly, like, she will be in, in an advantageous position in that she can afford to get, like, the proper help. And she knows where to go, and she has a friend like Janan who's gonna be on top of her to make sure, hey, did you take your pills? Yeah. I also feel like, so now I'm thinking, maybe Siobhan and Helen should be involved with each other, because... At the very least, they have the kind of personalities that would kind of, when, when they're baseline, they could kind of balance each other out as well. Yeah. Yeah, and like, Ellen also has people around her who make sure that she isn't going too overboard and is like, you know, making sure she takes care of herself. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing about personality disorders is that you tend not to realize that you have a problem. Yeah. And as for Janon herself, so we decided well, to make your pin board. She's very yeah. Uh, Scully-esque. Yeah. Um. So she's a Scully to <laughs> Siobhan's Mulder. Not saying that you know Siobhan's gonna go into the deep end of conspiracies, but there's gonna be a lot of late nights on Reddit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we we could have some stuff where Siobhan she's in the caffeine haze, and she just has come up with completely ludicrous theories, <laughs> and Janon yeah. kind of has to like pare down all the bullshit to find some nugget of an actual lead. Yes. So the thing is with with Watsons in general, the the universal Watsons is that. You want to do different things with Sherlock every time, since it's a Sherlock show about Sherlock, but with yeah. the Watsons, they're, they always really are the window into Sherlock's world, and they can always follow similar arcs, and it's not too much of an issue, because you can always start with them going, this is weird, you're ludicrous, I don't want to be involved, to, okay, I'll be involved, but I'm not going to get into your madness, to, oh, you're doing something illegal? Okay, hang on, let me get my flashlight. Yeah, and I think Janon would be more on the end of, okay, let me just make sure that my phone's charged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, she's a very kind, compassionate person, and I want to do stuff with the whole fact that she is a Muslim woman living in Regina, Saskatchewan, because, yeah, the Muslim population there is growing. Like, it's not... Like, she's gonna be the only family... She's gonna come from the only family there. But, yeah, it's the whole... You know, her dealing with her religion because she's also a, a hijabi. Yes. That is a big thing I wanted. It, it's just like, I want her to have the hijab. She is a devout, observant Muslim. So part of, like, Holmes's growth, like, Holmes can be very uncaring. Like, in the whole complete jerk can completely slough off how you're feeling. But she, Holmes in general can also be really compassionate. And it's almost stunning how kind he can be uh there's this one mystery where this one person murdered another person but as it turns out the murdered person was a big old jerk ass and did a lot of horrible things to the person who killed him 
and um, he lets the murderer and his girlfriend go free. Yeah. And is able to, you know, start a new life for themselves. So a big thing about uh, Siobhan is that she can be very cold in certain ways, but she has such a strong sense of justice. Yeah. It's, there's not a lot of gray area for her. But her black and white morality doesn't always line up with the letter of the law. It's going to line up with what is right. Yeah, like, if um, if she's in a moral debate of what to do, as in, like, do the legally right thing or the morally right thing, she's going to go for the morally right thing. And if it's uh, a difference of interpretation of the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law, it will always be the spirit of the law. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to her relationship with Janon, um, one of the first things that really warms Janon to Siobhan is how considerate Siobhan can surprisingly be, like, in little subtle ways that you wouldn't think that she would do. Like, I was thinking, like, for an episode concerning Ramadan or whatever, uh, because uh, Janon can't eat during the day, Siobhan makes sure that there's meals ready for her in the like really early in the morning and really late at night mm-hmm. and always make sure like there's no pork in the house or or where they're living or like if if Siobhan wants something that has pork in it she's gonna have it herself and make sure that it's separated from everything else make sure that all the non-halal food is like in Siobhan's room <laughs> <laughs> which will be the she no-go zone <laughs> yeah she has a mini fridge and, and you don't it's, it's stuffed it. entirely with bacon and iced coffee <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those do not go there. There's that mini fridge and then there's the other mini fridge and that's where the experiments are. <laughs> and sometimes there's a crossover. <laughs> like Janan walks into Siobhan's room and Siobhan's like, uh, I need you to grab the Tupperware container from the top shelf of the fridge. And then she walks over and like, No no no, not that fridge. And Janan's like, Why? Like, well that's it's got a whole bunch of pork in there. You don't even need to go in there. Like, oh okay. She walks over the other fridge, opens it up. Siobhan, this is a brain. <laughs> Where did you find a brain? Don't ask. <laughs> is this a human brain? Maybe. <laughs> Because that's the thing about living in a prairie city. You can get cow parts all over the place. This is also true. <laughs> the Hound, Hound of the Baskervilles, I actually had an idea that um, it would be on like a ranch somewhere in Alberta and maybe involve stuff regarding the Wendigo and all that, but I don't know how culturally inappropriate that can or cannot be. I mean, I think the main issue that people have started... Uh, First Nations have begun taking with the Wendigo is that A, it's like the only part of their culture that white people like adapting. Yeah. So it's that's really concerning that like, look at all this this vast wild culture that we're trying to preserve and white people are like, let's take this one cannibal and it's great and that's all we need. So that's yeah. the issue. And also it's that there's several works that try to sympathize the Wendigo. And Which it's like, you can this only, is a cannibalism taboo yeah, thing? You can really only go so far with that. I mean, yeah. if you play it in the form of, like, it's a mental illness, you can kind of get a foot in there, but not really. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe scratch the whole Wendigo thing and stick with, like, the devil dog thing, and maybe this is, like, the one mystery that might have a genuine supernatural aspect to it. Because I love myself some uh, hellhounds. Or what else we could... I'm just thinking, 
We could, if they somehow ended up in Mexico, it could be a chupacabra. Or Puerto Rico or Texas. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so we could totally do something like that. And um, structurally, um, here's another major mistake that the uh, Sherlock series, the British Sherlock series did. Um, Basically front-loading the first couple of seasons with, like, the actually really good stories. Yeah. And And then the more well-known ones. Yeah, the more well-known ones, and then having to stretch out the more obscure ones and a lot of the shorter stories. Because here's the thing about Sherlock Holmes that people tend to forget. Um, There's only four novel-length stories, and everything else is short stories. Mm -hmm. And the reason why elementary works so well is because with the American uh, cop procedural, or detective procedural series, um, we're talking about, like, 20 to 30 episodes per season and 22 minutes for an hour long episode you can adapt all of these individual stories very easily into that time frame and you still have a lot more to work with it just works structurally a lot better as a serialized and actually a fairly episodic series yeah and you can still have like the overarching character arcs going on because the most interesting about sherlock holmes is the characters Mm-hmm. especially Holmes and seeing how Holmes works. And that's the big thing that if this was either a TV adaptation or a podcast adaptation, we have to show how Holmes comes to her conclusions. Yeah. Yeah. And like, even if we did shorter seasons per se, we can still invent our own stories that don't necessarily have a basis in the yeah. Holmesian well, mythos. We can just And do since st- we have all these side characters, we can adapt some of their stories yeah. too. Yeah, some of their stories, we can do a whole bunch of, like, rip-from-the-headline stuff. I see no problem with that. Yeah. Maybe as, like, a side thing, we could have Holmes, she's interested in a couple of um, famous unsolved mysteries. It's sort of, like, side episode stuff, maybe, like, a continuing over um, arc thing. Or even just, like, a shout-out to something. Like, I don't know, she somehow breaks the code in the one book that associated with the Summerton Beach Man. Yeah, that is an interesting case. If anybody is listening, look up the Summerton Beach Man or the Tamam Shud case. Oh, yeah. All right, I think we've pretty much covered everything we'd like to do with this series. Yeah. It's mostly us just talking about all these... All of our wacky ideas for... This eight-way collision b- between historical fictional detectives. Yeah. <laughs> in in a university setting. <laughs> On the prairies. On the prairies. Well, if your listeners at home would like to add their own comments or critiques to our ideas for Little Homes on the Prairie, then you can either contact us on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod which stands for Not If I Reboot You First Pod, and it's pronounced Um, Or you could send an email to notifireboot at gmail.com. And Lindsay, where can people find you on the internet? I'm at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A on Twitter. And from there, you can get to all of my social media bullshits. I've got pin boards for all of my Sherlock Holmes ideas. So. Yeah, the, the Pinterest will also be linked in. Yeah. Link Lindsay's entire Pinterest, and then just just scroll way down. It isn't an, that far down. It's, it's bl- a, there's still a lot of good stuff on here. Like if you like Harry Potter AU's that are better than other things, you can go there. Yeah, next gen AU's, like better than Cursed Child. She also got a pin board for our Pokemon Adventures in the Millennium. Yeah, 
So check that out for the general visual idea that we've got for our Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, also, um, if anyone is interested, we're now ex accepting guest spots starting in January. So if you want to be a guest on this podcast, show up with your own idea of a popular property that you'd like <laughs> to see rebooted, then send us an email at the aforementioned email address. And uh, speaking of guests and Harry Potter, next week we are going to be having our mutual friend Jackie show up. And this is where we're going to break the seventh seal and we're going to talk all about the cranes of Grumblesnurf. <laughs> Everything wrong with J.K. Rowling as a screenwriter. Fuck me. We're just rebooting J.K. Rowling, the person. There will be much wine. Harry Potter revisionist history hour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I guess we'll see you all next time. Okay, everybody. Bye. Bye. I can't, I can't wait for when I'm editing this and I just have to take out like our bi-weekly something freezes and we can't hear each other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of frozen, it's all... We're in a deep freeze right now. Oh, we've spent the last two days in a freezing fog. Oh, wow. We could totally work that in into our Sherlock Holmes adaptation. Yeah. Just... Regina weather. Everything's gray. You can't see anything. It's not cold, but your car is still iced over. And whenever <laughs> you look down the alleyways, you see the personifications of your sins growing out of the shadows. <laughs> Wait, that's Silent Hill. You sure you're not living in Night Vale? I think Silent Hill might be in the prairies. <laughs> this episode of Not If I Reboot You First is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, 4.0 international license. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org.